Friends, listeners, hello. Welcome to the Voice of Love broadcast, where we can experience God's love and start on a new journey. I am your host, Josh Graham. Today, we want to share with you a wonderful Christian movie clip. This program will air at the same time every week. If you'd like to enjoy more delightful programming, please visit the Church of Almighty God website at www.holyspiritspeaks.org. The elders have arrived. Brothers and sisters, peace to you. Sorry we're late. There they are. Please have a seat. Hello. So good to see Please, you. Please have a seat. All of you, have a seat. Hi, have a seat. Oh, how have you been? All right, let's start soon. Yes. Good to see you. Yes, so good to see you. How's everyone doing? I agree. Praise to the Lord. Let's continue our fellowship. Yes. Yes. I believed in the Lord for many years. Although I know the Lord Jesus is the God incarnate, I still don't understand much about the truth of his incarnation. Mm -hmm. If the Lord comes again and appears just as he was then, working as the Son of Man, we won't be able to recognize him. Yes. yes. And we can't welcome his coming. Yes. yes. The incarnation truly is a mystery. Very few people out there can understand the truth of it. Yes. yes. Today, Please fellowship with us just what incarnation truly is. Yes. yes. We all have no idea about the question from Brother Lynn. If the Lord Jesus comes again as the Son of Man, we really could not recognize him. Yes. yes. Maybe we will resist and condemn him, just like the Pharisees. Yes. Sure. The Lord will come again as the Son of Man? Impossible. The Lord Jesus made it clear to us. He'll come on a cloud for all to see. That's right. This is clearly prophesied in the Bible. How in the world could you deny it? That is yes. what the Bible That's says. Exactly what the Bible it's says. It's undeniable. What other way is there to see it? <clears throat> you say he'll come on a cloud. Are you sure the Lord will come again upon a cloud? The bridegroom is coming at midnight. What if you hear that? Those wise virgins hear it. They hear the bridegroom's voice and welcome the Lord, attending the feast with him. Do you dare deny that'll happen? Mystery is behind the Lord's coming. Mm -hmm. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, said Jehovah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know this verse. I know that you do. God's thoughts are always higher than man's thoughts, and God's wisdom cannot be fathomed. It is the truth. There are mysteries in God's work. Since you can't gain insight, don't make a conclusion. Don't judge blindly just by a single verse. You will all mislead and deceive others, and also resist God as well. Yes, yes. yes. I think that's right. Everyone, regarding this issue, we must all strive to seek the truth. Right. Yes. God's wisdom is unfathomable. The Lord's return is a mystery. Nobody should jump to conclusions just based on one verse. 
it'll be better for us to seek it. Oh, thank God. That's a very good question. Incarnation is indeed a huge mystery. Thousands of years, no one has understood the truth of incarnation. That is a fact. Almighty God comes in the last days and reveals the mystery of incarnation to man by himself. Only then do we understand the truth of incarnation. Let's read some passages from Almighty God. Page 1362. Almighty God says, The meaning of incarnation is that God appears in the flesh, and He comes to work among men of His creation in the image of a flesh. So, for God to be incarnated, He must first be flesh, flesh with normal humanity. This, at the very least, must be true. In fact, the implication of God's incarnation is that God lives and works in the flesh. God in His very essence becomes flesh, becomes a man. The incarnate God is called Christ, and Christ is the flesh donned by the Spirit of God. This flesh is unlike any man that is of the flesh. This difference is because Christ is not of flesh and blood, but is the incarnation of the Spirit. He has both a normal humanity and a complete divinity. His divinity is not possessed by any man. His normal humanity sustains all his normal activities in the flesh, while his divinity carries out the work of God himself. Because he is a man with the essence of God, he is above any of created humans, above any man who can perform God's work. And so, among all those with a human shell like his, among all those who possess humanity, only he is the incarnate God himself. All others are created humans. Though they all have humanity, Created humans are nothing but human, while God, incarnate, is different. In his flesh, he not only has humanity, but more importantly has divinity. His humanity can be seen in the outer appearance of his flesh and in his everyday life. But his divinity is difficult to perceive because his divinity is expressed only when he has humanity and is not as supernatural as people imagine it to be, it is extremely difficult for people to see. Since God becomes flesh, His essence is a combination of humanity and divinity. This combination is called God Himself, God Himself on earth. From Almighty God's words we know, Incarnation means that God's Spirit becomes a flesh. That is, God's Spirit is realized in the flesh with a normal humanity and normal mind. Yes. He becomes an ordinary man to work and speak among mankind. This flesh has a normal humanity and complete divinity. 
Though ordinary and normal in appearance, this flesh can undertake God's work, express God's voice, lead mankind, and also save mankind. That's because He has complete divinity. This complete divinity is the inherent disposition of God which His Spirit possesses. Also, God's holy and righteous substance, what God has and is, His almightiness and wisdom, and His authority and power are all realized in the flesh. This flesh is Christ, and indeed is, the practical God who comes to the earth to do the work of saving mankind. In appearance, Christ is an ordinary and normal son of man, but there are substantial differences between him and created humans. The created man has humanity without any divine substance. Yet Christ not only has normal humanity, more than that, he has complete divinity. He has God's substance, so he can fully represent God. He can express the truth with God's identity, express God's disposition and what God has and is, and he can bestow to man the truth, the way, the life. This is beyond any created man's capability. When Christ works, speaks, and expresses God's disposition and what God has and is, he expresses all of these in the flesh. No matter how he expresses God's word and work, he lives in normal humanity all along. So he is of normal flesh, not supernatural. So this now proves God has come into the flesh and he has become an ordinary man. It's this ordinary and normal flesh that fulfills the work of the Word appearing in the flesh. This is the incarnate, practical God. Because Christ has complete divinity, he can represent God and express the truth and save all mankind. Because Christ, he has complete divinity. He can directly express God's words instead of conveying them. He can express the truth anytime, anywhere, to supply and water man. He can lead the entire human race. Because Christ has complete divinity, God's identity and God's substance. We can say that he is God incarnate, is the practical God himself. Yes. That's right. We've never heard that before. Thank the Lord. I used to think that when God incarnate comes, he would do what the Lord Jesus did before, performing wonders, healing the sick, bringing life to the dead. A word from him comes along with miracles. That is God incarnate. Yes. Now I realize it doesn't seem so. Ah, thank God. God incarnate in the last days is an ordinary and normal flesh. He seems normal outside and looks nothing special from other people. However, he has divine substance, which can't be seen by our own eyes. He can express God's voice. He can express all the truth and provide man with life. Only because his humanity is so ordinary. Yes, praise God. No one believes that he is the incarnate God himself. Now I think I understand. Inside my heart, I feel brightened. I believe for most of my life, honestly, I thought God incarnate should perform miracles, signs, and wonders. I thought that he should look a certain way, lofty and outstanding. 
Through Almighty God's full disclosure, I am ashamed. Actually, God incarnate is just an ordinary and normal flesh, not supernatural. No wonder why the Pharisees said, isn't he the Nazarene? Isn't he the carpenter's son? It's because the Lord Jesus' flesh was too ordinary. Mm -hmm. Yes. God's incarnation counters everyone's conceptions and imaginations. Mm, yes. It's truly a mystery. I need to investigate this much more carefully. Oh, thank God. The mystery of incarnation is not about whether his flesh looks lofty or looks ordinary, but that inside this man, this completely ordinary looking man, there is a hidden divinity. This hidden divinity can't be discovered and cannot be seen by anyone. Just as the Lord Jesus came to work, if people couldn't hear his voice or didn't experience his word or work, then no one would know that the Lord Jesus was Christ and the Son of God. Thus, incarnation is the best way for God to remain hidden among man. When the Lord Jesus came, nobody could tell from his appearance that the Lord Jesus was Christ, the God incarnate. Nor could anyone find that there was divinity hidden inside his humanity. Not until the Lord Jesus expressed the truth and did redemptive work did man believe and find his words had authority and power. They began to follow him. It was after the Lord Jesus was resurrected and appeared to man that man truly saw the Lord Jesus was the incarnate Christ, the appearance of God. If he hadn't expressed the truth and done the work, no one would have followed him. If he hadn't testified himself as Christ, the appearance of God, no one would have recognized him. We have a conception and imagination. If he's really God's incarnate flesh, he would be an extraordinary flesh, like a great man, so majestic, lofty, dignified. His words don't just have authority and power. He also shows us signs and wonders. That is the God incarnate. If the flesh looks ordinary, like a common man, and has a normal humanity, he can't be the God incarnate. Let us all then recall this. When the Lord Jesus was indeed incarnated to speak and work, no matter how he expressed the truth and expressed God's voice, no one recognized him. And when someone testified the Lord Jesus, they said, Isn't he the son of Joseph? Isn't he a Nazarene? Why did they talk about him in that way? It's because the Lord Jesus looked like a normal man on the outside. He looked like an ordinary man. He didn't look like a great man at all. So they didn't accept him. Mm -hmm. yes. Actually, God incarnate shall indeed have normal humanity. People will know that the flesh God takes on is ordinary and normal. He is just a normal man in appearance. If God takes on extraordinary flesh, a special flesh, without normal humanity, the significance of his incarnation is gone. Therefore, Christ has to have normal humanity. Only that can prove he is the Word become flesh.
Let's read Almighty God's Word. Page 1365. Brother Wong, can I read it? Yes. Almighty God says, The significance of incarnation is that an ordinary, normal man performs the work of God himself. That is, that God performs his divine work in humanity and thereby vanquishes Satan. If, during his first coming, God had not had the normal humanity before the age of 29, if as soon as he was born he could work miracles, if as soon as he learned to speak he could speak the language of heaven, if the moment he first set foot upon the earth he could apprehend all worldly matters, discern every person's thoughts and intentions, then he could not have been called a normal man, and his flesh could not have been called human flesh. If this had been the case with Christ, then the meaning and the essence of God's incarnation would have been lost. That he possessed normal humanity proves that he was God incarnated in the flesh, The fact that he underwent a normal human growth process further demonstrates that he was a normal flesh. And moreover, his work is sufficient proof that he was God's Word, God's Spirit becoming flesh. God becomes flesh because of the needs of the work. In other words, this stage of work needs to be done in the flesh, done in normal humanity. This is the prerequisite for the Word becoming flesh, for the Word appearing in the flesh, and is the true story behind God's two incarnations. If, from the moment of His birth, the incarnate God began His ministry in earnest, performing supernatural signs and wonders, then He would have no corporeal essence. Therefore, His humanity exists for the sake of His corporeal essence There can be no flesh without humanity, and a person without humanity is not a human being. In this way, the humanity of God's flesh is an intrinsic property of God's incarnate flesh. To say that when God becomes flesh, He is entirely divine, is not at all human, is a blasphemy. Because this is an impossible stance to take, one that violates the principle of incarnation. The humanity of God incarnate exists to maintain the normal divine work in the flesh. His normal human thinking sustains his normal humanity and all his normal corporeal activities. One could say that his normal human thinking exists in order to sustain all the work of God in the flesh. If this flesh did not possess a normal human mind, then God could not work in the flesh. And what He needs to do in the flesh could never be accomplished. So the incarnate God must possess a normal human mind, must possess normal humanity. Because He must perform His work in the humanity with a normal mind. This is the essence of the work of the incarnate God, the very essence of the incarnate God.
From Almighty God's words, we can clearly see the God incarnate needs to have normal humanity or he can't be the God incarnate. From his appearance, God incarnate is an ordinary and normal man. His humanity is not supernatural. If people judge Christ according to their imaginations and conceptions, they'll never truly acknowledge Christ and accept Christ. At most, they'll accept him as a prophet sent by God or a man used by God. To know Christ, we must investigate his work in words and check to see whether what he expresses is God's voice or whether his expression is the disposition of God and what God has and is. Whether the truth and the work he expresses actually save mankind. Only this way we are able to know and to accept and obey Christ. Mm -hmm. If people don't seek the truth or investigate God's work, even if they do hear Christ's words and see the facts laid before them, they won't be able to know Christ. Even if they live with Christ by day and by night, they'll still treat Christ just as an ordinary man and they will resist and they'll also condemn him. Actually, to acknowledge and accept Christ, we only need to recognize God's voice and then admit that it's God's work. But to truly know Christ's divine substance in order to truly obey Christ and love the practical God, what we must do is discover the truth from Christ's work and from his words. We need to see God's disposition and what God has and is. We need to see God's holy substance, almightiness, and wisdom. We need to find God's loveliness, his kind and thoughtful heart. If we do all these things, we'll obey Christ truly and worship the practical God inside. Yes, we believers in the Lord all know. The way the Lord Jesus preached, the words he expressed, the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. His requirements for man are all truth, and the voice of God is very clear. Yes. They're the expression of God's disposition, and also what God has and is. The signs that he performed, healing the sick, calming the wind and waves, feeding men with five loaves and two fish, and raising the dead, and so on. These are some of the manifestations of God's authority and power. During that time, the truth seekers, like Peter, John, Matthew, and Nathaniel, recognized the Lord Jesus from his works and words. They found he was the Messiah who was to come, and so they followed him. They gained his salvation. The Jewish Pharisees, though having heard the Lord Jesus' sermons, and witnessed his signs and miracles, only believed that he was just a normal and ordinary man. He had no influence or fame. So they condemned and resisted him fiercely, fearlessly. And so, finally, they just nailed him to a cross. They committed a heinous crime. The Pharisees' failure is really thought-provoking. It has fully revealed their antichrist nature of hating the truth in God. The foolishness and ignorance of the corrupt mankind is revealed. Now then, the incarnate Almighty God, like the Lord Jesus, does all of God's own work in his normal humanity. Almighty God has expressed all the truths that corrupt mankind must possess to be saved. Yes. And does the work of judgment beginning with the house of God in the last days. 
He not only reveals and judges mankind's satanic nature and their corruption, he also shows the 6,000-year management plan of the salvation that he has for humans. He shows how to break away from sins to become holy and be saved by God. He reveals to man God's inherent righteous disposition, what God has and is. He displays God's unique authority and power. Almighty God's work and words have fully shown God's own identity and substance. Today, people follow Almighty God because they hear God's voice from Almighty God's work and words and see the appearance of God's words in the flesh, thus returning before His throne to accept His purification and perfection. But the religious people who still resist, deny, and condemn Almighty God have undoubtedly made the same mistake as the Jewish Pharisees. They treat Christ of the last days, Almighty God, as an ordinary man. They don't seek to investigate the truth expressed by Almighty God. Finally, they nail God to the cross again and have provoked God's disposition. Obviously, if we hold on to our perceptions and imaginations without seeking and investigating the truth expressed by Christ, we won't recognize God's voice as uttered by Christ, nor will we accept or obey Christ's work. As a consequence, we will never have God's salvation in the last days. If we don't know the truth of incarnation, we will not obey or accept God's work. Besides, we are likely to be punished and cursed by God for condemning Christ and resisting God. So, seeking the truth and knowing the mystery of incarnation is so extremely important and crucial for us all to be saved. Thank the Lord. You fellowshiped about incarnation very clearly to us. I feel much more enlightened. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Christ is normal, son of man outside. But the divinity hidden inside is most difficult to perceive. If we don't seek him with our hearts or know of him from Christ's words and works, it's indeed difficult to know Christ's divine substance. Yes. Right. Yes. Think of Judas. He lived with the Lord Jesus and ate with him morning and night, but he never knew that the Lord Jesus was Christ. Later, he betrayed the Lord Jesus, became an eternal sinner. It's really a lesson to us. Mm, yes. Almighty God has revealed the mystery of incarnation so clearly, it seems that he is truly the returned Lord Jesus. Yes. Mm. I can't agree more. Back then, because the Lord Jesus performed all these miracles and wonders, in his normal humanity, people just failed to recognize him. Mm. That's right. Only those who thirsted and searched for the truth recognized him as Christ. Yes. It seems that believing in God incarnate is not really easy when you think about it. We believe in the Lord Jesus today all because of the Bible, not because we got a chance to meet him and experience his work. We just believe. Yes. Hearing your fellowship, I'm wondering if now I really see the Lord Jesus' work among man, can I truly believe in him? Can I truly obey his work? It's really difficult to say. 
It's no wonder that when Almighty God comes to work, there are so many religious people resisting and condemning him. It seems that, according to the Bible, it's easy to believe. But it isn't easy to believe and accept the Lord Jesus once we see he comes to work again. What we are is ignorant of the truth of incarnation. We really don't know at all. Praise to the Lord. Almighty God's words help me understand. Incarnation means God's spirit takes on flesh and becomes a man. Yes. In appearance, he's an ordinary and normal son of man. Yes. Not supernatural. Yet what's hidden inside him is divinity, which no one can discover. Yes. Just like when the Lord Jesus worked, yes. no one discovered his divine substance. Therefore, no one recognized that he was the God incarnate. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, it seems that only from the incarnate God's work and word can we truly know the God incarnate? Yes. If we measure and condemn the Christ by our imaginations, we will very likely treat Christ as just an ordinary and normal man. Yes. We'll resist and condemn Christ easily. Hmm. For those of us who wait for the Lord's coming, but don't know what incarnation really is, the truth that you're talking about here is so important. It's significant. Thank God. Yes, it's very important. Well, friends, that's it for our program today. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to enjoy even more music videos, recitations of God's words, choral works, musicals, stage plays, and gospel films, please visit the Church of Almighty God website at www.holyspiritspeaks.org. You can also email us at info at almightygod.church or call our gospel hotline at 1-347-422-1980. May God bless us and see you next time.